Um, last week, um, I uh, was talking about uh, Ruth and the book of Ruth that we're going through right now, and so um, I really enjoyed last week. It was really fun to, to walk through some of these concepts that um, I'm experiencing some for the first time as I'm working through the book myself. And um, last week, I started the message called uh, Unlocking Your Best in Your Life, and and uh, I started working through some things in chapter 1, and then I did a lot of focus in chapter 2, and, and we were having such a great time, I only got to 4, so I said, you know what, let's stop, and we're just going to pick up where we left off uh, last Sunday, and so that's what we want to do this morning. I began the message speaking about the reality that sometimes we go through circumstances and we go through issues that sometimes affect us that um, we're afraid to step forward and to keep on going because of what's happening to us. The book of Ruth begins, as I said last week and the week before, the book of Ruth begins with a crisis. And that crisis was a famine. As a result of the famine, Bo, uh, um, uh, Naomi and her husband, Emelach, decided that they were going to leave Israel and go to a neighboring country because things were much better over there. And so as Naomi and her husband left, they took two of their sons with them and as a result of them moving to another country, um, they established themselves there and uh, all of a sudden, Emelech died and passed away, leaving uh, Naomi with her two sons. But 10 years had passed. This is all in chapter 1. 10 years have passed. And as a result of those 10 years, those two boys married Moabite women. And they established themselves. But in the moments of time that were happening in their life, um, those two sons also died. And as a result of that, Naomi was left with her two daughters-in-law. And realizing that she really had nothing in her mind, she decided that because things were a lot better in Israel, she would go back. And so she went back, going to take her daughters-in-law. But she realized that this is a foreign country for them. This is some place that they don't know. And so she encouraged them to stay back in Moab and, and remarry and establish themselves and be with their family. But Ruth was the one that said, no, I want to go with you. And so we picked up that story how often in the midst of tragedy, transition always happens. Sometimes when we're in difficulty, it's just around the corner that lead us to a transition. And I want to say this morning to you, because I think it's important to establish that transition isn't always bad. Oftentimes, the events in our life, God uses to set us up to enter into another stage. And sometimes that's that, that in between, in between the, the, the tragedy, the difficulty, the circumstances, in between that and, and, and phase number two of what we don't know completely about, in that middleness brings a lot of times uncertainty and unsettledness and we're afraid and we're not sure. But what I find in Ruth was she was willing to push through those things because Ruth was going to an unknown country. You see, Naomi was going back home. Where she grew up, what she knew, the culture, all those things were her norm. But yet Ruth was facing something totally different. This was foreign to her. Everything she would be experiencing from those moments on would be learning curves for her. And yet amazed me when I went through that is how she pushed through those things in her life. I talked about the importance of understanding that our circumstances don't define who we are. 
Because many times we can go through life and our circumstances begin to turn maybe difficult and we begin to define our life because of those circumstances. And I shared a few Sundays ago how Naomi began to uh, reflect on her circumstances and she seen herself through them and she identified herself with them. And, and I just read a few verses in Ruth, for example, when they were on their way back, um, she makes reference to the fact she comes home and they were excited to see her and said, is this truly Naomi? It is Naomi. And she says, don't call me Naomi, starting verse 19. As they continued their journey, they came to Bethlehem and the entire town was excited as they arrived. Is this really Naomi? The women asked. And she corrected him, said, don't call me Naomi. She responded, instead call me Mara, for the mighty, the Almighty has made my life bitter for me. And then she continues to say, I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. So why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such tragedy upon my life? I don't know if you've ever felt like that at all in your life where things have just gone seemingly so bad that you feel like God is out to get you. And I want to tell you this morning, God is never out to get you. He's always there to fill you, empower you, and lead you to the next phase of your life, even when you don't understand it all. You see, what happened was Naomi began to see her life through her circumstances. She even wanted her name changed to reflect what she was going through. But the amazing thing is, when you go, when you move that same scenario to her daughter-in-law, Ruth, you don't find the same thing. Ruth never looked at those things that way. All we have recorded has been opportunities where Ruth has capitalized on the moments that were in front of her. I shared last week, I started the message called uh, Unleashing Your Best in Your Life. And I talked about seven keys and how we can unleash the best in us. And I emphasize there that we need to understand the best is already in us. It just needs to come out. What God has invested in each one of you is more than enough for you to succeed in life and more than enough to carry you through whatever you're going through. And whatever we're going through, whatever he's put in us is always sufficient for us to thrive above it. But sometimes we find ourselves like Naomi. We, we see the circumstances and then we identify ourselves with those circumstances and we wonder why, why God is against us. And I want to tell you, there's more to the story. Naomi never stayed there. She discovered as she grew in her walk with God, as God began to reveal his goodness to her, she began to change her understanding of her circumstances. And as you go through the book of Ruth, you see there's things, moments in, in Naomi's life where what she thought once was her, she realized was not her anymore. And she began to recognize that God's goodness was in the midst of even seemingly disastrous examples and situations. And it's encouraging to watch Naomi pour into Ruth's life. And even in her own heart need, even in her difficulties and struggles, she began to pour life into Ruth. And Ruth became a woman of faith and a woman of God. Never let our circumstances dictate where we go and where we're coming to. The first thing I said, if we want to really unleash God's best in our life, is we need to change how we see ourselves. If we really want to experience what God has for us, we have to learn to change how we see ourselves. Too often we see ourselves through the circumstances we're in. And the key to being a champion is seeing yourself as one. To seeing yourself as 
a triumphant is recognizing that you are a winner in no matter what battle you face. We have to change how we see ourselves. Circumstances never determine who we are. It's rather his faithfulness, his truth that he's invested in us that when we understand and discover, it starts coming out of us and it changes our life. It changes our circumstances. I don't know if you're following what I'm saying. The second thing I said here is we need to look for opportunities in the middle of the situations we're in. You see, Naomi was struggling with her circumstances, but Ruth seen the opportunities right in the middle of them. Sometimes it's hard when we're going through stuff and we're facing things. It's hard to see through them. We see when we're in them. But I'm telling you the fact we have to look for opportunities in the middle of the situations we're in. I said to you last week in Ruth chapter 2 and verse 1, in the middle of her circumstances, in the strangest of a new country, strangest of new culture, all those things, in the midst of that she's seen opportunities. And Ruth said, now there was a wealthy man in verse 1 of chapter 2 who was in Bethlehem whose name was Boaz, and he was a relative of Naomi's husband. One day Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go out to the harvest field and pick some of the stalks of grain left behind by everyone who is kind enough to let me do it. She's seen the opportunity. I want to learn to do that. I gave an example when the children of Israel were at the Red Sea when they were finally released and set free from years and years and years of slavery and finally set free and they were three days journey away and I can't imagine the celebration that would have been and then came the Red Sea. And the Israelites seen the Red Sea in front of them and they seen the Egyptian army behind them coming back and, and the Bible uses a term there where we can translate English. They were in a twix situation. But yet... The answer was right in front of them in the midst of their circumstances. I don't but you, but sometimes we can struggle with the idea that we want somebody to come rescue us out when God has provided a way in. We're looking for something to follow to the sky to, to, to remove what situation we're in and, and God to come through in a certain miracle of some sorts when the miracle often, listen to this, the miracle often is in the midst of those very circumstances that we want to be removed from. That's what makes it amazing. That's what makes God so great. See, oftentimes we, 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 we assimilate God's greatness when, we, when something drops out of the sky and removes or changes our circumstances. And, and yet, I think, I, think, I think the greater of the miracle is to see the provision while you're in the midst of it because attitude is huge. And if we can change your attitude in the middle and see God's provision, wow, what a miracle oftentimes we miss when we're looking. Look for opportunities in the middle of your situation. You don't like the circumstances you're in? Find the answer within them. Sometimes you're praying and asking God to do things. Find the circumstances within. Ruth never was content just waiting for something to happen. She was looking for opportunities in and around her. The third thing I said, if we want to unleash is we need to surround ourselves with the right kind of people. And I said this, not perfect people, not just your kind of people, but what kind of right kind of people. I talked about what are the right kind of people. The right kind of people in your life will always propel you forward. They will always give you life to energize you to keep on going and to keep priving and keep pushing through. They invest golden nuggets in your life. The right kind of people... Even they may be disappointed in you, but the right kind of people will never focus on those things. They will always see the potential. 
and speak to that potential. The right kind of people never just see the negative in your life or the things that you're doing, but they see the opportunity that's around you and they speak to that. Does that make sense? See, those are right kind of people. Ruth surrounded herself with the right kind of people. Even though Naomi sometimes struggled with perspective, Naomi always gave her advice that would help her move forward. Then she met Boaz, and Boaz orchestrated this whole thing so that she could move forward. In fact, there's many times in Ruth chapter, uh, chapter 2 where it says, Boaz, I think in verse 8 here, it says, And Boaz said to Ruth, Listen, my daughter, you stay right here with us. When we gather grain, don't go in any other field. Stay right here behind the young women working in my field and see that each part of the field that they're harvesting, you follow close behind them because I've told the young men to treat you with respect. And then he says, and when you're thirsty, help yourself to the water they've drawn from the well. And then later on it says, if he's hungry, you just come, you eat with us. See, the right kind of people will always bring value to your life. I used an illustration last week. I said sometimes when you leave somebody's presence, you feel like a million bucks. And sometimes when you leave people's presence, you feel like you've just been bankrupt. Words are powerful. The right kind of people will always send you away feeling like a million dollars. Not because they say yes to everything you say, but they invest in your life and mine to elevate us to the potential that God has created within us. Surround yourself with right people. The fourth thing I said, we need to be adaptable. It's interesting. You study the book of Ruth. You see, Ruth was always adaptable, always shifting, always changing, always making adjustments to our life. And I use illustration many times how driving is, is, is constantly adjustment making. Move the mirror, change the lanes, to the steering wheel, change the seat, all these things Everything becomes adaptable. In fact, I even said this. Anything alive, listen carefully, anything alive will always change and adapt. Will always change. That favorite, favorite dessert that you have in the fridge, I mean the favorite one, the one you look at every morning and go, oh, that's the best dessert in the world. Maybe you don't think like that. But even that changes. Because you can look at it for two weeks and I dare you to eat it after two weeks. It's already changed. Why? Do you know why? Because it's alive. It's alive. Filled with bacteria. Things taken over. Always changing. Ruth was always adaptable. Always adaptable. Always adaptable. Anything alive always changes. The last three that I want to bring out this morning that I think are important for us to understand is keys to unlocking our best in our life. I want to emphasize again, unlocking the best in our life is because the best is already in there. We're not waiting for some revelation to come or something to come on us and some things that we can grab and take hold of, but rather we need to come from the perspective, he has given me everything that I am and everything I will ever be. He's given me everything to succeed in life. Anything and everything he's already put in me. Now I get a life life of discovery, of learning what he's all invested. So it's just unlocking it. It's like having, it, having enough money for you to live the rest of your life but not recognizing it and you're only figuring it out as you journey. 
Oh, I got this. Oh, oh. And I think that's what the Christian life is. It's a life of, oh, oh, discovery. I don't know. I like discovering. And one of my favorite channels on television when we have television is Discovery Channel or, or the History Channel. I love to... I could, this is how funny it is. I could sit and watch probably a documentary on paint drying. Shh. I'm watching a doc. It's like if it says a documentary, I'm into it. I want it. I just like it. If it's something to do with history, I, my, um, me and my wife, our movies, things are very, very different. And I'm thinking, this is a good movie. And she's like, can I leave now? And I'm like, it just started. We just got past the credits. I mean, it's just started. Her movie, it's like, okay, when is there going to be some shooting? And when is there going to be some exploding? And when is there going to be some of that? Like, this is boring. Why am I saying all that? Because life is fun. And all of us are different. And too often we let our differences divide us rather than make us better and stronger together. Sometimes I think, and be careful how you interpret this, sometimes I think we take life too serious. Yeah. Just take it too serious sometimes. It's, oh, oh, <laughs> a guy sent me a, a text message the other day and it showed, it captivated uh, different eras. It started in the 1700s and there was one statement that's kind of summed up the 1700s. Then the 1800s, another one that captivated that. And then the 1900s, it captivated another one. And then the 2000s, it's like the, the word that captivated the whole entire decade or whatever it is. And 2000s is I'm offended. It's like 1900s, there was two world wars fought. There was people coming out of the woodwork and technology developing all these things. And then 2000, everybody's offended. That one was for free. Sometimes we just take your life too serious. There's a lot of people that are going through stuff that we can, we can lighten up their life. We need to lighten up. Jesus, he was, a light, he was a life lighter. Except to religious people. He just blew out their candles. Oh, where do I start? What, did I, what are we talking about here? Oh, unlocking your best in your life. <laughs> Book a roof. Let's, let's go back. It's already in you. It's already in you. I lived my life, my Christian life for years, waiting for something to come on me. When I realized later on that it was already in me and that it can be released. Oh, I worked so hard. I prayed so hard. I studied so hard. I tried to live holy. I tried to do all these things and try to be good and all these things. And just to be impressive to God that he would see me worthy of even more anointing and more things. And, and what happened was then oftentimes when we're like that, then our life becomes a system of doing things for something in return. When I realized who I was and, and discovering what he's given me, I changed my life. No longer was I effort focused. Now it was like awe driven and saying okay if that's me then I want it released I shared with someone the other day that if you could be empowered to live the way God created you to live you could be filled with every answer to every situation 
You had no fears to overcome. You had nothing, no obstacles to face. Things you would rise above. If you knew you could live like that, would that attract you? And, it, and when I was explaining that, their eyes opened. It was just like, I would give anything for that. And I want to tell you this morning, God has given us that availability. And I want to live that. I want to believe that. I want to walk in it. Because too often, as preachers, sometimes we can preach about this stuff. But I'm telling you, I'm tired of preaching it. I want to experience it. I want to live it. I want it to flow out of my life because wherever I go, the Bible tells me I have an opportunity to leave a piece of the kingdom, not doctrine, a piece of the kingdom. And when I leave the piece of the kingdom, it transforms people's lives. Never have I ever seen in culture, in Bible, in Bible culture or in the ministry of Jesus, he ever tried to change the government. He never wanted to influence policy. He simply brought the kingdom and changed lives because lives change other things. And that excites me when I see that. That empowers me. Ruth was one of those world changer type people that was sitting in the background somewhere. And it took, it took a husband passing away and, 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 a, and a brother-in-law passing away and a father-in-law passing away. And the circumstances do that she, she stepped into another world. And by stepping into that other world, she opened herself up to dreams and, and possibilities that were endless. That if she wouldn't have stepped in the world, she could have missed those things. And by sticking with this this. Naomi that was struggling by sticking with her. Her world began to open up. I don't think Naomi would have ever second-guessed, ever thought the fact that by bringing Ruth into Israel, that she would get married to a man named Boaz, who she was serving in the fields. And as a result of that relationship, they would get married and have a child, and that child name would be Jesse. And then Jesse would grow up and get married and have a child. And that child was one of eight, and his name was David. And he became king of Israel and changed their culture and the world at that time. I don't think Naomi would have ever guessed that. But all Naomi did was channel her to the possibility of discovering things that are bigger than he, than her. That's surrounding yourself with the right kind of people. How do we bring out, how do we unlock our full potential? How do we unlock the best in our life? There's number five, and it is this. Naomi, I mean Ruth, she believed in the best in herself and in the situations that she found herself in. She believed the best. No matter what wall she came up to, she always looked for a way around it or on top of it. When there was an obstacle, she found a way. Why? Because she believed in herself. I don't know about you, but when we don't believe in ourselves, we don't, we don't want to step out. We just want to stay and watch television. We don't want to do anything. We just want to do the norm and the regular. But when we believe in the best, we, it energizes us. We want to step into some things that maybe we're not too sure of. But Naomi believed in the best in herself and the situation she found herself. If she didn't, she would have just simply stopped and did nothing. She believed the best. It's amazing when we believe in ourselves and believe in what God's placed in us. It reflects in our attitude, it reflects in our faith, it reflects in our abilities, it reflects in our continents, it reflects in everything about us. I think sometimes we can find ourselves not believing the best in us and then we give whatever we feel and sometimes we miss out. Too often we're, we're waiting for things to turn around in our favor when we're not stepping into it 
to the things that are in front of us. She believed the best. I have a note here. It says this. This is something we do. We need to speak it over our life. We need to expect, the, we, we need to expect that it's not the worst that's going to happen. It's that the worst is not going to happen and take place in life. But God is for me. When we play the victim, we, thrive, we, we, we miss living the life Jesus has for us. In some ways, Naomi played the victim. She came back and she just said, I'm nothing. I can't do anything. I'm mixed up. I'm empty. I'm useless. And everything's been taken from me. And, and yet Ruth looked at those same circumstances that she was in. And she made the most of it because she, she believed in the best. I don't know about you. When people believe in the best in you, it empowers you. It empowers you. It's like, I know you can do that. It's in you. I, I can see you passing that exam. I can see you doing that. that I, that's in you. It's like it empowers you. How many times have you sat and visited with someone that just sucked what little life you had out of you? You know, I'm thinking of starting and doing that. Oh, I, I wouldn't do that if I were you because, man, then you're responsible for this, you're responsible for this. And you're responsible. By the end of the time, it's like, why in the world did I even think of that? I should have never thought of that. You sit with somebody, that's, that's a great idea. I, you, you, could, you could, oh, you could do this. and It's a difference between life and death. It's a difference between life and death. And I think because we have the living Jesus in us, everything that comes out should be life. Oh, it should be life. She believed in the best. There's a sixth key, I think, what, how it unlocks the best in us is we have to learn to be thankful. In Ruth chapter 2 and verse 10, it says these words. Let me just read a little bit about the blessings over Ruth's life when she wasn't even aiming for it. I read this verse to you before. Verse, let's go to verse. Um, f- uh, let's go to verse five. Then Boaz asked his foreman, "Who is this young woman over there? Who does she belong to?" And the foreman replied, "She's the young woman from Moab who came back with Naomi." She asked me this morning if she could gather grain behind the harvesters. She's been hard at work ever since, except for a few minutes she would rest in the shelter. Verse 8, Boaz went over to Ruth and, listen, my daughter, stay here with us while you gather grain. Don't go in the other fields. Stay right here behind the women working in the fields. See which part of the field they're harvesting, and then you follow right after them. I've warned the men not to treat you roughly, and when you're thirsty, you help yourself to the water that came down from the well. A little further on, it goes on, he says um, in verse 14, Boaz, Boaz again called her, come over here, help yourself to some food. You can dip your bread in our sour wine so that she sat with the harvesters and Boaz gave her the roasted grain to eat and she ate all she wanted and there was still left over. And then verse 15, it says, when Ruth went back to work again, Boaz ordered his young men, let her gather grain right among the sheaves without stopping her. And pull out some of the heads of barley in the, uh, uh, in, the, in the bundles and drop them on purpose for her. Let her pick them up and don't give her a hard time. Ruth was thankful. Verse 10. Ruth fell at his feet and thanked him. What have I done to deserve such kindness, she asked. I am simply a foreigner. She was grateful. Why is it so hard to be more thankful than unthankful? Why is it so hard? But you see, when we understand that thankfulness 
is, 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 a, is a window that releases things in our life. I did a quick study. Just I did a Google search. I, did, I just searched the benefits of being thankful. It's amazing how many... They, physicians have done studies. They've done studies on the difference an attitude of thanksgiving makes to your health. It's staggering. I, I, I looked at it and, and I went to one page, another page, and, and a well-known, uh, a high sought-after uh, university did studies um, over several years of what difference the attitude of thankfulness is opposed to unthankfulness. And it, it, they have statistics to prove that their health went up, their, their, their heart rate, their, their blood pressure. All these things are affected just simply by their attitude of being thankful. Man, I, I, I've got lots to learn in that area. Being thankful. So being thankful. Many times, listen to this, I wrote this down. Many times we can feel entitled. We feel entitled. It's owed me. No, 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 it's not owed you. It's not owed you. See, when we're titled, we just we, we feel it, it's owed us, and so there's no reason to be thankful. We're waiting for it to happen. Oftentimes, when we're not thankful, we take things like the blessings of God for granted, and, and we don't recognize or notice those blessings when they show up. Have you ever hung around someone that was like really thankful and grateful? I mean, it's, it's, it's contagious. It's like, I'm going to hang around you. Why? Because they're just, they're just grateful. Ruth was grateful. Ruth took opportunities in her life and she recognized the things that were favoring her life. I wrote a little note here on, 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 on Ruth. I got some notes on Boaz too. What an incredible guy Boaz was. I mean, we don't hear much about him other than when you really study the book of Ruth. But I mean, Boaz, Ruth, Ruth, was, Ruth was someone that stood out. Again, remember the circumstances that she came from. She's come out of loss and into unfamiliarity. She left loss and what she knew of back home into a new culture. All these things. And yet she stood out. It's almost like, where, where is it? Where is it in verse, in verse 6? She's a young woman from home, came back to Naomi, verse 7. And she asked if she could gather. She has been hard at work ever since. Where else? There's another example, verse 11. Verse 11. Oh, here, verse 11. Boaz, he must have done, he, he must have had a little bit of eyes toward Ruth. You know? And did some investigating. You know how we do that when we're interested in, before we got married? You know, I think Boaz would have did some of this because what he says in verse 8 tells me, tells me he did some investigating. Not only did she stand out, but there was some investigating happening. It says, Boaz went over and said to Ruth, what did I say? Verse 11, sorry. Verse 11, yes, I know. She said, I'm only a foreigner. She said, yes, I know, Boaz said, but I also know everything that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. You have a reputation, Ruth. You went out of your way for your mother, mother-in-law ever since the death of your husband. And then he goes on, I have heard, listen to this, I have heard how you left your father and mother and your own land to live here among complete strangers. Then he says in verse 12, May the Lord, the God of Israel, under those wings give you the same refuge and reward for what you fully have done yourself. 
Ruth stood out. And she stood out for all the right reasons. Her worth ethic and her integrity. And she received favor as a result of her character. Being thankful. Being thankful. The seventh and last key I think we need to unleash um, our best in our life is we have to learn to exercise faith. We have to learn to exercise faith. Sometimes we're waiting for God to move when he's waiting for us to step in. Well, waiting on God. (laughs) Well, God's waiting on you. It's hard to step into something you don't know. You're not sure. When Naomi was packing up and leaving for Israel, Ruth had no idea what Israel was like. And yet she stepped out of her comfort place, made a step of faith and said, where you go, I go. Who your God is, my God is. And where your land is, my land is. That's faith. That's faith. Not only that, but then she was in the circumstances and she was in Israel and she sat around and then she said, hey, do you mind, Ruth? Do you you mind, Naomi? I think I'm going to go and go pick grain in the field. She, she didn't wait for people to bring grain to her. She, she took the step of faith knowing that in the culture, women always got the leftovers. She stepped into it. And the favor of God rested on her life. And she became a woman of faith. She exercised faith. Too often, I think, we limit ourselves waiting, waiting for the moment to be perfect before we take the step. Uh, I pastored in BC for a number of years, and, and, and in, in Vernon and Kelowna area, there's, there's, there's lots of cliff jumping. Lots of cliff, I mean, we're talking 100-footers and, and whatever else, and, and I just looked and thought, oh, wonderful. But there was, there was a place that, that we, we swam a lot with some people in church and some friends of ours, and... and, and um, he said, hey, you want to jump some cliffs? And I said, sure. Inside, I was like, no, but you don't want to ever say that. And so he said, okay. I said, how big? He said, oh, it's just a short one. It's easy. And, and what I think short is and what he thinks short is are, you know, miles apart. But anyway, I've I, I, I committed and I'm thinking, what, how bad can it be? It's just, it'll take your stomach for a while and you'll get wet and it's over, right? So we started climbing and we started climbing and started climbing. I'm thinking, okay, I've reached my limit and he wants to climb further. So... I'm too proud to say stop, and so I just keep on going. So we get to the spot of this hill, and the point is faith. We wait for something to happen before we step out, okay? That's the story. If I forget, just remind me. And so we got there, and, and I stood up there, and I looked, and I thought, no way am I doing that. No way. So finally, I humbled myself enough, and I said, you know, uh, I try to make it as spiritual as possible. Uh, the Lord has not given me the anointing to jump off here. No, I didn't say that. I just said, I don't know. This is, I think this is a little bit too... Oh, no, it's only 20 feet. I think it's too much for me. And as I was debating with him, he's thinking, come on, it's only 20... And I know it's not 20 feet, because it isn't. And because if it takes five minutes from the time you jumped hit the water, it's more than 20 feet. Anyway, it wasn't five minutes. It felt like it. But I was standing there, and, and, and people were coming up there. And some of them were like little kids saying, excuse me, excuse me. And I'm standing arguing 
with another adult that it's too high, and, and they're telling, excuse me, excuse me, and they're just going off, and I'm thinking, this really looks dumb. I'm a grown adult, and these people are just, and here I'm scared, and so I thought, well, I'll get my, you know, oh yeah, I can do it, and I remember, that's the worst thing you can do, right? Is stand on the edge and look down, and I look down, and, and you know, some words came to my mind of expressions, and I won't say right now, but... Um, those words came and I thought, no way, no way. And then he went. And I was, I was up there by myself. The kids had already went, he had went, and I thought, I'm just going to you know, gather my pride and walk my way down. And I thought, well, how can I face everybody going to the campsite that I walked up and walked all the way down? So I stood at the edge and I prayed a lot. And then I jumped. And I jumped and and. You know that tickling feeling that you get when you, I felt it all right, and I crashed in the water, and, and this is something for you that dive and swim, how high you are almost determines how deep you go, and it seems that way, and so I hit the water, and I would have went like this, <gasps> kablash, right? And all of a sudden, I realized I needed more oxygen, and I started swimming up, and swimming, and swimming, and swimming, and swimming, and swimming, thinking, I'm not going to reach the surface. Well, but I did. I'm here today. I reached the surface. But what, what's my point in all this? My point is sometimes we're like that in life. When it comes to faith, we, we, want, we want A, B, or C. We want to have the outcome where we can pick. But faith doesn't work that way. Faith goes to the edge and goes, oh, okay, I'm going to take a step of faith and I'm going to do it. And, and, and we step into it. Ruth was like that. That's what amazes me about Ruth. We, we don't hear much about her at all other than four chapters in, in early in the Old Testament where, where we see the significance of what someone, of someone is discovering and learning and setting an example all at the same time for us. She looked at the edge and she stepped right on. And, and if she wouldn't have stepped, listen to this, if she wouldn't have stepped, she would have never known Boaz. If she wouldn't have stepped, she would have never realized how faithful God was when she stepped into something not knowing the outcome because she stepped into something thinking, well, perhaps they'll let me. Well, she stepped into it. Not only did they let her, but it tells us that all of a sudden she got favor. Not only could she step into it, but you stay among this field, and I've told them to take care of you. And, and then at one point, it's like drop more grain so that you can get more. And, and if when you're thirsty, come, you drink from the well that everybody else is drinking from. Oh, by the way, Ruth, are you hungry? You come eat. You come eat as much as you want. In fact, she goes back to, uh, she goes back, Ruth goes back to Naomi, and, and, and she comes with all oh, this entire provision and, and, Verse 19, um, Naomi says, where do you gather all this grain today? Where did you work? May the Lord bless whoever helped you. Like she was amazed. Like this is extravagant. Who, who, where do you go? Who, Lord, and then the Lord says, you know what? I met a man. His name was Boaz. And, and he blessed me. Faith. There are so many rewards to faith. And I, I want to get you attracted. 
I want to get you attracted to the moments of faith in your life where you can step out, not knowing, and discover the favor of God on your life. Ruth did. Her step of faith resulted in a marriage that would change Israel's history. I look around here, I see history makers all around this room. Whether it's in sports, whether it's in drama, whether it's in mechanics, whether it's in the medical field, whether it's in the school system, I see changers of culture. Whether you work a day job, you punch a time clock, you paint cars, whatever you do, you're a culture changer. Dig a hole and put things in it. You're a culture changer. Why? Because every day God puts moments of our life that we can step in the faith and realize that by stepping in, we open other opportunities and open other doors. Does that make sense? 